Hallelujah. Give me a shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We believe we receive when we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. When we pray, things happen. Amen. When we, when we pray, angels going, are going into, going to work and going, go into operation. When we pray. Amen. Amen. And when we pray in the spirit, we're praying the perfect will of God. You know, when we're in corporate prayer, when the benedictions are with us, you don't need an interpretation. You know, we don't need to, we don't need to see anything. We don't need to, we're praying. Yeah. Yeah. They said, don't dilute it with your own thinking. You pray the perfect will of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Well, you know, the series we're in is back to the basics, but I mean, it's really continuing, really dealing with prayer in the, in, in this. And <clears throat> I'm going to pick up where I left off last week. And last week I talked about abiding. And, um, and when I came out, Annette was reading a scripture and she talked about, was reading and talking, talking about a dwelling place, that we are a dwelling place for God. And it's interesting that the Lord put that on her heart because that's where I really, what I want to deal with tonight. And, and so we're going to talk about being a dwelling place for God and, and how it's connected to prayer. Um, but prayer is a mandate to the believer. Prayer is not uh, something just set aside for, a certain, for certain believers. It's set aside for all believers. Yeah, just say this with me. I am called to pray. I am called to pray. Amen. You know, that you're, you, you are called to pray. You, you, are, you are, it's part of your duty as a believer. Just as, as a, a United States uh, citizen, one of your rights or your duties are to vote. You know, your duties in the kingdom of God is prayer. And, and being that dwelling place for God. Jesus told, told, that, told a parable and said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. The Apostle Paul tells us, in everything, with prayer and supplication, make your requests made known unto God. And so last week we talked about being a house of prayer and about what is a house of prayer. You know, I talked about, you know, the, the you know, Kansas City ribs and OC fries. You know, when people would show up to the restaurant and there were no ribs, they're like, well, this is supposed to be ribs. Ribs are in the name, right? So you've got to have ribs there. So if we're a house of prayer, then, then there needs to be prayer there, right? It's not just something that, that, that we just, we have, well, we're Christians and we should pray. No, we're Christians and we pray. It's, it's a part of our life. We, we are a house of faith. We are a house of prayer. We are a place of glory and we are a people of influence. So prayer is what we do. Prayer is a part of our life. It's, it's not something that we set aside for our wife to do. It's not something that we set aside for our husband to do or our pastor to do. It's something we do. And I really want that to go off on the inside of your heart for the Holy Spirit to take that, those statements and work in your heart to make you hungry for living a life of prayer. Amen? Amen? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. There's a phrase, I, uh, some statements I read last week. And it, said, it says this, know your position and know your place. For it is in this place and position you will operate in power and operate in authority. I provided a place for my people, but they failed to take it. I've given them a right to be there, but they still don't embrace it. Last day's power and manifested glory is a result of my people taking their place in Christ. 
taking their place in faith, taking their place in prayer. You know, in Proverbs, I read a scripture to you in Proverbs last week where it said, The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run into it. You know, we, we are called to use that name in prayer. And Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. So if we were to go to a tower right now, that would be a place. And the righteous run into that tower. And so, so when we talk about prayer, it's not just a action that we take, but it's a position we take. Prayer is just as much as a noun as it is a verb. You know, a noun is a, what a person, place, or a thing. So, so it's a place, but what we do there is praying. Pray, praying, uh, prayer is a position. Praying is what we do there. And what we do there is, 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 Change that we, we, we are in the, we are there to get results. We're there to fellowship with God. We're there for communion. We're, we're there to build and cultivate a relationship. We're, we're there to, to transact, to, to bring about God's transactions in the earth. We're, we're there to be in joint partnership with Him. That's, that's what that position in that place is. So we talk about a house of prayer. It's a position that we have to take as believers on a consistent basis, in a, in a consistent way. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. And Acts chapter 11 is, is really where, where, where it talks about where they were, where, where the word Christians really came about. Up until this time, from the, from the time the church was birthed, um, they would talk about the people of the way. And that's, they were followers of Christ or the people of the way. But when they got to this place in Antioch, it tells us that this is where they were first called Christians. It tells us that. But I want to pull out a scripture here and, and then we're going to key off on this the rest of uh, tonight. So Acts chapter 11, and I'm going to start in verse 21. It says, And the presence of the Lord was with them with power. This is actually one of my, one of my favorite scriptures in the book of Acts. And the presence of the Lord was with them with power. It was the presence of the Lord was with them with power. Can, can we read that together? And I'm reading the Amplified. It says, read it together. And the presence of the Lord was with them with power. So that a great number learned to believe, to adhere to, trust in, and rely on the Lord. And turned and surrendered themselves to him. Amen. That, that's what I want this, this church to be. Where the power of the presence of the Lord was there. And when people showed up, they surrendered to him. I, I believe that, that when you truly see God, I believe that you can't help but be in all of God. You can't but help but fear God. You can't help but surrender something. Surrender your will to his will. 
You know, I think of Smith Wigglesworth when he was on a train going from one place to another and he's sitting there on this train and you know if you've ever been on a train Annette and I were in a train in Italy and and you actually are facing each other and here Smith Wigglesworth is sitting on the the train and all of a sudden you know the guy across from him is watching Smith Wigglesworth and and all of a sudden the guy just falls down on the ground and starts repenting of all of his sins and Smith Wigglesworth was like what are you doing (laughs) He didn't preach anything. He just, he just said, I see the presence of God on you and I can't help but repent and get right with God. I mean, imagine just walking into a place and, and the presence of God being that powerful to where you can't help but get right. <laughs> you can't help but just make adjustments. And that's what was really going on here, that, that it was a place. See, amazing things were happening in Antioch to such an amazing degree that, that all of a sudden it got word all the way back to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, you know, the leader, uh, I believe uh, the pastor at the time was, uh, uh, was uh, James, the brother of Jesus, was the pastor of Jerusalem and the brother of Jesus. And, and he, he sends Barnabas to see what's going on there. Why? Because they heard of everything that God was doing. Amen. And here, they, they, these weren't the, the first apostles. These were, these were churches that were started maybe from, from this person getting saved, then that apostle ministering to that one, and that person gets saved, and all of a sudden, God is moving in this city. And it says in verse, verse 22, it says, the rumors of this, the rumors of this came to the ears of the church. I, I want people to talk about this church. <laughs> yeah, if you were in the second service this past Sunday, there'd been something to talk about. I mean, first service was great, but I mean, second service, the end of it, it was, it was pretty interesting. Yeah. God, I mean, it was, God showed up in the first service, but I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> The rumors of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw what grace God was bestowing upon them, he was full of joy. (laughs) And he continuously exhorted them, warned, urged, and encouraged them all to cleave unto and remain faithful to and devoted to the Lord with resolute and steady purpose of heart. So, he, so Barnabas sees this and he's like, man, this is, he's full of joy because he sees, he, why is he full of joy? He's saying, because what I saw in the beginning is what I'm seeing here. And he reminds them something because it's so easy to get off. He reminds them for them to cleave unto the Lord. What does the word cleave mean? It means to adhere firmly, closely, loyally, and unwaveringly. So what was he telling them? It said he continuously encouraged them. If you go on to read this, that you know that that Barnabas was so thrilled what was going on, he went and found Paul somewhere. And came back and him and Paul stayed there for a year and taught every day in the synagogues. (laughs) And so it said he continuously did this. So this was something that he constantly had to keep before God's people. Because, see, it's so easy to let priorities become secondaries. 
And so it all, it, it's so easy to let the main thing just become an old thing. And so he had to constantly remind them, cleave unto the Lord with steady purpose of heart. Cleave to, be devoted to, remain faithful to. See, this word cleave to, it means hold closely to. Many, make this such a vital part of your life. Cleave to. Let me read that statement I read earlier and I read it last week. Know your position and know your place. For it is in this place and position you will operate in power and operate in authority. I provided a place for my people, but they failed to take it. I've given them a right to be there, but they still don't embrace it. Last day's power and manifested glory is a result of my people taking their place in Christ, in faith, in prayer, in Christ. See, it's so important to take our place. I believe that's what in Acts chapter 11, one of the things that Barnabas is communicating, cleave unto the Lord. See, when you cleave to something, meaning, meaning if you cleave to a position then that's where you're staying. And, and you're not going to move from that position. Remain faithful, devoted to, steadfastly is, is the other words in the Amplified that he uses here. I mean, so this is a position, in this position in prayer, this position in Christ. You see, in life, we have so many things that can come at us on a daily basis. So many things that can affect our family, affect our emotions, affect our physical bodies so many things and if we're not if we're not careful we can be overrun by the things happening to us in us or around us you can be overwhelmed by things that are going on with your children things that are going on in your finances and and if you're not careful you can step out of the position you're supposed to cleave to see that 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 place you're cleaving is a place of prayer it's a place of communion. It's a place that you and I remain. You know, because if we, if we let go of our place and our position, then there's nothing else that we can really hold our, have hope in, so to speak. You know, for instance, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about, it said that, thank you, Father. Let, let me turn that real, Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. I'll quote, quote it, but I want you to see this because it talked about it talks about being without Christ, without Christ. And I know we look at that as I've received Christ into my heart, but Christ is not just something that that I ascribe to every now and then. It's I live, I live and move and have my being in Him. Right? It's, it's I, I live in Christ. It's I, I, I live and I abide in Him. And so if I, if I step away from that position in Christ, in prayer, in faith, stop talking and return. Because what does it say? It says that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So if I am not holding to my position in Christ, then what happens is I'm letting go of the only thing that I can have hope in. 
I'm letting go of the only thing that, that I can trust in and rest in. So that's why this cleaving is so important because that is my only answer. That is my only position. So if I'm not resting my position in Christ, then I'm, I'm going to allow discouragement to overrun me. That's why this place of prayer is so vital. So Acts chapter 11 again, he says, cleave to the Lord, be devoted and remain faithful to the Lord. Jesus was filled with hope. He often talked of peace, my peace, I leave with you. He often talked about that my joy He talked about my joy, let my joy, my joy remain in you and that your joy might be full. So Jesus talked about the joy that he had, let my joy remain in you. He talked about my peace, I leave with you. So so Jesus understood something about this, this peace. He understood something about this joy. He called it his. He called it something that he possessed. It was something that... He had in his life. It was something that he had grasped to. So how did he continue to grasp and hold on to and call it my peace and my joy? It was because of what he would cleave to. See, he understood he had peace and he had joy because he cleaved to something. He remained steadfast to something. Jesus lived in a position in a place of prayer, which was a position and place of abiding and being connected to the Father. Without turning there, John chapter 14, verse 11, he says, Believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe. Believe this. <laughs> know this about me, that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. You know, Jesus could have just as well saying, I cleave to the Father and the Father cleaves to me. I remain devoted to and steadfast to the Father. And the Father remains d- devoted and steadfast to me. See, this is all this position. It's all about dwelling. It's all about where is Jesus abiding? Because where Jesus is abiding is where he is finding his peace And he is finding his joy. Amen. In John chapter 10, verses 34 through 38, it sums it up like this. It says, but if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I in the Father. So once again, Jesus is going back and he's... He's telling, talking to us about his connection with the Father, his relationship with the Father. So with Jesus, grace and peace were not a product of his surroundings, but they were a product of his position. The peace and joy and the grace that Jesus operated in had nothing to do with his surroundings. It had everything to do with his position. If that was the case, then, then uh, I mean, Jesus, they picked up stones wanting to stone him and kill him multiple times. But yet, because of where he was dwelling and where he was connecting, connected to, he was able to operate in joy, 
and operate in peace. Do you see that? So this place of prayer is a place of being connected to the Father. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Say thank God for the word. Thank you, Father. Cleave to, remain devoted to, and steadfast to the Lord with steady purpose of heart. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Daniel chapter 3. Now, we, a lot of us know the this, know this story. It talks about the three Hebrew boys. And there was a decree that went out and, you know, for these servants, so to speak, these young leaders, these excellent men, young men of character that were being becoming influential in their city. And they so because of that, they made laws to try to stifle the great things that these young leaders were doing. And, uh, and, and so we, we see this and we can see it in starting in verse 15 of what, uh, actually verse 14 says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke and said unto them, it is true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if you be ready that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sawtree, the dulcimer, in all kinds of music. So when you hear this music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, I mean, it's, it'll be good. But if you worship not, you should be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Who is that God? That will deliver you out of my hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. I love that. Meaning, it's kind of like, I don't care what you think about what I'm about to say. I'm not going to be careful in how I respond to you. Meaning, we're not going to mix any words here. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, just remember this, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which, which you have set up. Now, let, let's go back to this, to ver, chapter, verse 17. And let's read this verse 17 again. It says, if it be so, our God whom we serve, the God in whom we serve. Now, in, in the Hebrew, this word serve in the Strong's is number 6399. I know you wanted to know that. 
And, and the word serve there means to worship, wants to worship, but if you look this word up, it actually is a root that comes from 6398, the word before it, and that word in the Hebrew means to cleave. So if you look up then the strong 6399, it means to worship. If you look up 6398, it means to cleave. And really, these words are connected together. So really, you could say it like this. If it be so, our God, whom we cleave to, the God that, how do we define cleave? Adhered firmly and closely and loyally and unwaveringly. The God that I cleave to is able. The God that I'm stuck to. The God I'm choosing to remain connected to. The God I'm choosing to live with. The God I'm choosing to um, hang out with. The God I'm choosing to, um, to be a part of. He is able to deliver me. He is able to deliver us from this. So, it, see, it was a position. See, they had... They had, they were attacked, they were about to be, um, they were coming against them, he had come against them, their faith was placed on the line, but yet even in the midst of that, they still chose to say, I'm going to cleave to the Lord. See, it was a position. So even, even though, King, you're, you're going to do this, this is where we are. This is, this is our position. You, you, King, you told us your position, and we understand your position. We know it's a decree. We know all those things, but you know, this is our position. And so, so what we have to understand that when we are walking through life and there's difficult things, persecution is coming against us, things that are, are attacking us, we're going through difficult things. The question is, is are, are we going to, to bow to the things around us or are we going to cleave unto the Lord that has the ability to deliver us? And, and you know the rest of the story, how, how they threw them in the fiery furnace and, and they, they, the people that threw them in, they heated it up seven times hotter and the ones that threw them in because they were so close, the ones they threw in, they died. They got that close. The people that threw the, the boys in, they died throwing them in because it was so hot. But they, they look in and, and they're seeing, well, we threw three in, but we see a fourth in there and it looks like the son of God. So here, here, and, and, and they're dancing in the fire, they're dancing in all that, and they see the Son of God is with them. You see, when they made the decision to cleave unto the Lord and now cause God to be, to be, um, to be liable, so to speak, to be, to keep His word to cleave to them. Thank you, Father. The one that they cleave to was the one they, that delivered them. So prayer is the position of abiding in him. And so when we talk about a position of prayer, we talk about abiding in him. is having that same attitude that those three Hebrew boys had. I'm not going to bow to... To, to that. I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to give in to with the attacks. Of the enemy. I'm not going to give in to those thoughts. I'm not going to give. No, I'm going to, I'm going to cleave unto the Lord. I'm going to cleave unto, I'm going to worship him. Enemy, I'm not going to give in to those temptations. I'm, I'm going to serve my Lord. I'm going to serve my, I'm going to cleave to him. I'm going to take my position. 
You see, to give into temptation, to give into temptation is to refuse to cleave to your position. You see, if we could, if we could come to a place where I mean, we all face temptations, we all face it. The enemy's always going to try to bait us. But, but the thing is, is, is you give in to temptation when you stop cleaving to what you need to cleave to. So whether we're referring to Moses standing in the cleft of the rock, Daniel at the lion's den, David facing Goliath, Jesus walking throughout life, they all had a position that desired. They all longed for this position. To be connected to the creator. And that's what this position of prayer. Don't look at prayer. Well, I got to pray. No, man. Wow. This is where, man, at Heritage of Faith, we're a house of prayer. I'm telling you, we, man, we, oh, man. Now we, we cleave to the Lord. We, we're holding on to the Lord. We're not moving until he, in, until he tells us to move. We're, we're not going to do something he, tell, he tells us to do it. Hallelujah. Go to Psalms 27. Got time for some scriptures tonight? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Psalms 27, verse 4. Thank you, Father. I'm... I think I'm just going to read some scriptures. I'm just going to let the word speak. Amen. Let's let the word speak and, and just the Holy Spirit to move as I read some of these scriptures. Psalms 27, see verse 3, it says, Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek. After that, I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Oh, let me read that again. One thing have I desired of the Lord that will I seek after. See, this is when a host is in camp about him. This is when an enemy has come against him. One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. What is that one thing? That I will dwell in the house of the Lord all, all, all the days of my life. To behold the beauty, to behold the beauty of the Lord. The word beauty there in the, in the Hebrew is best defined, the glory of Jehovah. The word beauty there is that the glory, the glory. When it says the beauty of the Lord, it's the glory, the glory of the Lord, the, the presence of Jehovah, the, the power of Jehovah. Hallelujah. The glory, the goodness of Jehovah. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after. Hallelujah. Have we, have we got to a place where there's just one thing? Have we got to a place where there's just one thing? Hallelujah. That one thing is to dwell in the house of the Lord. 
all the days of my life to behold the glory of Jehovah and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion in the secret, in the secret of his tabernacle. Shall he hide me? He shall set me up upon a rock and now shall mine and my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about. You see, when I take the position of cleaving to him, he causes me to to lift me up above the enemy. The enemy that was surrounding him now, now that the enemy was surrounding him, now he's above his enemy. Why? Because he chose one thing. He chose to dwell in a place. He chose to dwell in a position. Mm. (laughs) Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto you, your face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not. Neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. Now listen. When my father and my mother forsook me, then the Lord will take me up. Man, when things in the natural aren't working, my father, the Lord, Jehovah, will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me over unto the, deliver me not unto the will of my enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Psalms 46. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence. Dwell in the... Talking about dwelling in the house, cleaving to the Lord. Taking that position. Verse 46 says... 46 verse 1 says... God is our refuge and strength. A refuge. He's a refuge. A refuge is a place. If you're taking refuge somewhere, it's like you're going on vacation. You go on vacation, you're, you're going to a place. God is a, re- a refuge, a strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, so because God's my refuge... Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. Selah, so think about that. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. The holy place, the holy place of the tabernacle. There is a river... There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. I mean, when you take a refuge in God, there is a river there. When you get in in the right place and you get into the right position, you're putting yourself in a position where the river of God is. 
And I'm telling you, if you know anything about the river of God in, in, in Ezekiel, it says wherever that river went, there was life. Wherever that river went, there was life. Wow. <laughs> there was a river that makes glad the city of our God. See, if you need joy, you need to get into the river. If you need joy, you need to find that position. You need, you need, you need to get into the refuge. You, you need to get into that one thing you, that, that, that David desired. Then that will I seek after. And I'm going to behold the beauty of the Lord. There's a river that makes glad the city of our God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. And I love this verse. God is in the midst of her. God's in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Hallelujah. Let's go to Psalms 65. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. There's a position and there is a place that we are to abide in. Thank you. That we are to desire. That we are to hunger after. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just with the just with the thought of dealing with this prayer being a position, look at verse one. I'll read in the Amplified. It says, "To you belongs silence." I love how the Amplified says this: the submissive wonder of reverence, which bursts forth into praise. <laughs> the submissive submissive. Wonder of reverence. Man. The submissive wonder of reverence which burst forth. And it's almost like you are just in so reverence of God. And you're so meditating on his wonder. You're meditating on his goodness. You're meditating on his character. You're meditating on who he is. And you're just, you're just meditating on it. And you're just thinking about it. And all of a sudden, as you're meditating, man, he is good. He's a provider. He's a rest- You're just meditating and you're thinking about it. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you can't contain it anymore. All of a sudden, you can't. All of a sudden, that all and that wonder, it just bubbles over. It just bursts forth into praise. And, and all of a sudden, you can't help it. Why? Because as you meditate, all of a sudden, there's just something has gone off on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. To you belong silence. Not just, it's not being silent as, okay, we're just going to be. No, the silence is because you are so focused on him. You're in his presence and, and you, can't, you can't say anything. You, you're just like, just in all of him. On all of his goodness and in all of his, of his majesty. Thank you, Father. I want us as a church to, to be in all of him. And I'm not talking about A-L-L. I'm talking about A-W-E. Just like, it's just like, Wow. You are wowed by him. When was the last time that you woke up and you were just wowed by God? 
Man, because when you're wowed by God, it opens up him to reveal himself in greater ways. I want us to be in all of him. In wow. Just, it's just like you get into his presence and you're just all you, it's just like wow, wow, wow. Then you say it backwards, wow. <laughs> you say it upside down, mom. <laughs> See, some of y'all just need to laugh. It's some, some of you, I know you had worked all day and you're tired, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know what will get you energized in a moment is when you get wowed by God. I'm telling you, we get wowed by him when, when all of a sudden you, you become, you just get in his presence and you're like, wow. Cause I'm telling you, everything else pales. Everything else pales. In strength, you'll find strength there. You'll find an enablement there. You'll find a word and season there. You'll find your healing there. You'll find the refresh. You'll find the next step. You'll find everything you need. And that so you'll get up from that place. And what seemed to be so big now becomes, hey, I can conquer the world. Why? Because I'm cleaving to him. To you belong silence. Thank you, Father. And praise is due and fitting to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall the vow be performed. O you, now see, O you who hear prayer. This has to do with prayer. Prayer is that place, and it's, it's a position, and it's also something we do. O you who hear who prayer, to, O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. Iniquities and much very guilt prevail against me. Yet as for our transgressions, you forgive and purge them away. You make atonement for them and cover them out of your sight. Man, are you grateful for that? Oh, you who hear prayer. Meaning when you get into his presence, all of a sudden, all of a sudden when you get in all of his presence, you know what? Your, Your iniquities. They're removed out of his sight. All you have to do is get into his presence. Get into his presence. All you just get in and and repent. Get into his presence. And he takes those and moves them out of his sight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, this is the place where where you, you allow him to heal your heart. Heal a broken heart. How you allow him to heal you from your mistakes of the past and, and comfort your heart. But it's a position you have to take. Then he says this, verse 4. He says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man in whom you, capital Y-O-U, You, talking about God. Blessed is the man in whom God chooses and calls to come near. So that he may dwell in your courts. God chose you so you could dwell in his courts. God didn't choose you so you could beg and plead. No, he chose you so you could be in his courts. He didn't choose you so he could dominate you. He chose humanity so we could dwell in his courts. You choose and calls to come near. He wants you to come near. 
man, this is your rightful place. That he may dwell in your courts. And what does it say? We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. Your holy temple. Let me ask you a question. This just came up my heart. Is God's presence enough for you? Is God's presence enough? Is he enough for you? Sometimes we approach, well, God, if you fix that, then I'll serve you. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Be satisfied with the goodness of his house. There's something in his presence you can't find anywhere else. Because when you, it's when you get in that place. I think it was it Smith Wigglesworth said, I'd rather be in the presence of God for five minutes than to, to own the entire world or something like that with a fence around or whatever it was. But, but I'd rather be in that presence for five minutes, yeah. five seconds than to have anything else. Because in that, in that moment of time, it can fix anything. One word from God can change your life forever. One moment. We have to stop looking for outside things to satisfy us. Allow him to be your satisfaction and the outside things come. Pursue him and things come. You know, when in the second service I preached about this, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and all those things will be added unto us. Meaning all those things will be increased in our lives. He's not against any of those things. He's not against the clothes. He's not against the house. He's not against any of those things. He just says if we seek him first, all those things will be added. All those things will be increased in our life. So let's take our position. Let's take our position. And I'm telling you, you're going to be, we'll be satisfied by what comes from the house that comes from him. And what comes from him affects you materially, physically, emotionally, financially. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Let me close. Colossians, Colossians 1. Two more scriptures. Two more scriptures. I'm going to read a, in Colossians 1. We're going to read in Colossians 2. Thank you, Father. Start in verse um, 15. Just listen. Who is, who is the image of the invisible God? It's talking of Christ. It's answering who Christ is. It's saying, who is the image of the invisible God? What is, who is Christ? He's the 
image of the invisible God. Meaning, if you want to know what God looks like, acts like his character, if you want to know what God, how God is, what God does, look at Jesus. The firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by, by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Thank you, Father. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. In him should all fullness dwell. So this is all talking about Christ's preeminence. So, so this was the Father's plan that all preeminence, meaning there's nothing above it. It is the top. That there's nothing above this. So the preeminence is found in Christ. Why? Because it pleased the Father that in Christ should all fullness dwell. Now let's go to chapter 2. Now I want you to see something because when we choose to take our position in prayer, in faith, and in Christ... It sets us up for something. Now remember, in him dwells all the fullness, right? He's preeminence, right? That all the fullness should dwell in him, right? Okay, now let's look at, for the sake of time, we'll just start in verse 8 of chapter 2. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy or vain deceit after the traditions of men... After the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. Meaning, don't let anyone talk you out of the importance of Christ and what Christ accomplished. It's not, it's not, it's not something you can figure out with your intellect. And he says this, he, he says, why? For in him dwell, dwell, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So all the fullness dwells in him. Now, I love verse 10. It says, and, so don't stop reading. And you are complete in him. Now think about all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him and you are complete in him. You see, so, so when I have to take my position, cleave to him, dwell in him, what happens is it allows me now to be complete in him. Because everything I need is wrapped up in him. And I'm complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. You, you just need to know what's on the inside of you. We as a church need to know what's on the inside of us. We, we have, we haven't, totally grasped and understood what the church is meant to be completely. We have an idea. We have church and we may do church, but we have just scratched the surface of what it means to be complete in him. 
We, we have just scratched the surface of what it means to understand the fullness of God dwells in him. And we are complete in him. I'm telling you, when we take our place, we are going to see greater things take place in the earth. But we have to take our position in our place. Father, we thank you for the word tonight. And we thank you for the challenge that it brings to us. I thank you for your presence that is here, moving in and out of every row, up and down every aisle, that's moving upon those that are watching by way of internet. I thank you that your presence is here. And Father, as a church body, as a church family, Lord, we have and make the decision to have one desire. And we choose to seek that desire, that we would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life. Thank you, Father. That we take on Barnabas's mandate that Barnabas gave to the to that church in Antioch that we would cleave to, remain faithful to, and devoted to the Lord with steady purpose of heart. Because we realize out of that we step in to fullness satisfaction, transformation, life change, fulfilled destiny, fruitfulness. We thank you for it, Father. Thank you for it, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for fullness, fruitfulness, and fulfillment, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. the presence of the Lord was with them with power so that a great number learned to believe to adhere to and trust and rely on the Lord and turned and surrendered themselves to him and do you have family members that need to surrender to him we know we have a community that needs to surrender to him We have a, a nation that needs to surrender to him. And the presence of the Lord was with them with power. So that a great number learned to believe. 
And they turned and surrendered themselves to him. Father, we thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this house, Lord. We thank you for the stirring that's happening in the atmosphere. The ground that you're, the, the soil that's being tilled up, the ground that's being plowed, and the seeds that are being deposited. I thank you that it's bringing forth harvest. And it's going to bring forth of a harvest of a move of God in this city. If you, if you just believe that, just, just right where you're seated, just lift your hand and just, just start praying in the Holy Ghost. Oh, Father, our community needs, our community, our city needs to know you. There's people outside these walls that need to know you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for, for, for the things that you have declared, the things that you prophesied, the things that have been spoken forth in the last days, Father, that will cause many to come out of darkness and, and turn to light. Many out of darkness and into light, Lord, that there's a great sweeping of, of people out of uh, people going to hell. Lord, I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just for a moment, just intercede for those that are lost in this community. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah for awakening our workplaces, awakening our schools, awakening, awakening the city, awakening, awakening. Hallelujah, awakening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, we, yeah, we can pray for revival, but, but I thank you. There's people that just need to be woken, awakened for the first time, awakening for the first time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. So be it. So be it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. For 2020, Lord. Thank you, God, that you are opening a new door. 
and bring you about supernatural increase like never before. As we as a church body seek you, as we take our position, Father, I thank you that supernatural increase is manifesting on every life in this church family. Increase, 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 increase. You said those that worship and fear the Lord, it said you would increase them more and more. So this position, this position that we take, Father, your word says that we would increase more and more. So, Father, I thank you that you increase is coming on them. Increase is coming on this body. Increase, increase, increase. I declare increase over finances. Increase in the, over businesses. Increase over our children. Increase, increase in revelation. Increase in direction. Increase in opportunities. Increase, increase, increase in relationships. Increase. Increase. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Do you receive that? Give him a shout of praise if you receive that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.